right. So thank you all for listening. And thank you for listening to another episode of Pivotal Moment. I'm your host, Nikita Faustin. And today I'm so glad to have Felicia Mary on the show today. She's a television and feature film writer. She is the creator and co-executive producer of the hit BET Plus series, Bigger. Oh my goodness, you don't want mm-hmm. to miss it. Felicia and I were talking before the top of the show, and it is really, really funny, brilliantly, brilliantly written, executed. Um, the show is co-executive produced by Hollywood heavyweight and super producer Will Packer. The show follows the lives of five 30-something friends in Atlanta and their quest for more. More love, more opportunity, more options, more success, more, more, more of what they each need to be satisfied, right? So Mary described it recently as a mix between a black friends and a sex in the city. And when you see it, you will want more. I guarantee it. But before Bigger, Mary wrote for the incredibly popular Netflix series, 13 Reasons Why. She's a graduate of UCLA's esteemed screenwriting program. And today she joins us on Pivotal Moment to talk about the moment that took her from where she was to where she wanted to be. Welcome, Felicia. Hello, Nikita. (laughs) Thank you for the rave reviews. I appreciate it. <laughs> Mic drop right after that, right? <laughs> so Felicia and I were talking before the start of the show about one of the Chicago screenings of uh, Bigger. And everybody in the crowd was cracking up. Everybody loved the show. And the folks that I've talked to since then have since talked about loving the show in each episode. So I want to just talk to you about the response you've been getting. Are you surprised? Are you overwhelmed by the love, the outpouring, and the response? Mm-hmm. I would say, well, the response has been fantastic. And it's been, I would say, it's not a surprise because it was what I hoped for. It's yes. sort of exactly what I hoped for. But it is a relief because there was no guarantee <laughs> that I was going to get it. <laughs> just because I hoped. Yes. So. But it was literally, I think it was validating, and that's a good word for it, because it was literally everything we wanted this show to be, we got set back to us. We wanted people to see it like a black friend, and that was back at us from fans of the show. We wanted it um, to have heart and be hilarious. It's just foolish, tomfoolery. And Tom people <laughs> call that show foolish. And, that, and, the, and as black people know, that it. is not a negative, you know, that no. is literally a compliment yes. uh, for a comedy to be foolish. And so with that, like, it's just a relief that, you know, to set out to do something and to check the box of, like, people get exactly what you were trying to do. And that's exciting. So it's been great. It's exciting. And it's also well done. The writing Thank is you. good. And the characters have so many layers. And you talked about in a recent interview how the five characters represents, like, five shades of blackness. And you're able mm-hmm. to see all these different hues within the series. Is there one that relates to you more? Or are they kind of like a compilation of, of things and experiences of people you know and things you've seen? Yeah, I think um, the women... Actually, even some of the sentiment from the men, like I think each of the main five characters are a piece of me, even the male characters in some way. Yeah. Maybe the difference, I mean, I have a love of music, so that might be the only thing I share with Vince, but like I might share Dion's opinions on, you know, let go of the old and bring in the new and let's not, because I'm always saying to my friends, let's not get old, let's not get stuck, y'all. Like, come on, let's keep up. Like, that's how, you know, you get oh, stuck. If, yes. you, if you start just relaxing and not, like, saying, like, well, I don't know how to use this app. Nope. <laughs> now you're grandma. Now you're grandma. Wait a minute. Or when he said take off that velour suit. Remember he had on that velour suit? Yes, Felicia. yes, exactly. Felicia, come yes. on. 
I'm just saying. It's just like, because, you know, I've noticed as you age, there's an effort to stay cool. Or yes, it's, and up. eventually you give up. I, I'm trying not to give up. But eventually it's too much, you know what I'm saying? But, like, at 35, it's not too much. It's still possible to hold on, you know, and so I was that person trying to act 25 at 35. Right, so right. that's where that can came from. Um, and But all three of the women are definitely different sides of me and pieces of my friends from college who you know. Yes, yes. Pieces of them, you know, in terms of voice, you know, I don't want every character to sound like the way I speak. Right. Probably Lane. Lane speaks the most like me. Yeah. But then there's a side of me that's turn up queen in the right environment. So, you know, like with Tracy, but then oh, Tracy's also her voice, though, is might be one of my other friends who I just had to tap in the voices or. So they're a mixture of me and my friends from college for the most part. Absolutely. And Felicia and I went to the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign together. So shout out to the Illini out in the. Bye, the Illini. All right. <laughs> so, so yes. let me circle back before we go further into bigger about before bigger, because you were already in Chicago, you were doing well, you were a VP, you were in public relations, but that really wasn't where you really needed to flourish the most. You talked about things being harder. And when you got into writing, it became much easier. So talk about your time yes. in Chicago and PR and how they got you from there to LA. Yes. While well, I was at U of I in Champaign, I was like an acting major. So I've always been sort of into the art, thinking that I wanted to be an actress initially and realized that I don't, well, actually it was because of the program, the theater program at U of I at the time. I had some issues with it and um, with one of the teachers there. I would say one of the movie teachers, he's still there. So, but that was something to happen for a reason. And so whatever trouble I had, it made me really evaluate acting as my total career. I got not to say I won't do it eventually one day. Again, but like as my 100%, like this is what I do every day, I start to reevaluate that. And then I also got scared. I was like, what does the life look like working in the arts? Because right. I feel like fear obviously is the biggest enemy of, of dreams. Yeah. So I switched majors in undergrad, graduated in communications, ended up going in PR. And that was to me kind of like television. You know, there are cameras, broadcast journalism, you know, I see. Um, the news. Then I realized I, did, I hated the news, you know what I mean? So that's how I was up in PR. So I was always sort of Not. trying to be like entertainment adjacent because PR, you know, there are events right. and there are celebrities. Yes. Yeah. But so I was always getting close to it, but it was never fully satisfying. I did well. I was able to move up, but it always felt for painful, like meaning yeah. all the work felt painful because PR is really hard work. So it's hard to, um, unless you do love it, it's hard to pretend or to, to sustain it for long unless it is literally, just like you can't sustain entertainment, a career in entertainment for long unless it's really what you live and breathe because it requires too much of you. It requires all of you. All to of be you. able to play. It requires all of you. Yeah. And, and, and PR ironically does too. So yeah. eventually by the time I got into my 30s, I just felt exhausted and trying to, no matter what job I changed to, when I tried to go from agency side to corporate side to the advertising side. Um, client side, all of it felt, I'm like, well, maybe this will be better, or maybe that'll be yeah. better. And, and it all felt the same, mm-hmm. different challenges, but still not like home. And then, yeah. and I feel like the, we talk about like, or you talk about the pivotal moment. The pivotal moment for me is when I got like a super difficult client that made it hard to sort of exist day to day without being super stressed. Okay. And so what was al- always kind of difficult, but I could get by became like unbearable suddenly, mm. emotionally unbearable. It, 
And I know that this was just a, a thing planted by like God and the universe to move me to a different direction because right after I applied to film school, because that's why I applied to film school. I was like, I got to be heard from this bitch. I'm just really, you know what I mean? That's what I said. You know, I'm like, this is enough. It's time to make a life change. Like, I was that mad. Like, you wow. know what I'm saying? And so that anger pushed me to apply to film school. And I know that it was just a ploy to, you know, this whole conflict with this woman. So yeah. it was a ploy because she's my friend now. You know, like I was at her wedding in Mexico a few years after that while I was in film school, and she wrote one of my recommendations as the same client for UCLA because we ended up being friends by the time I applied. So it was just there long enough for me to be uncomfortable, you know? (laughs) Yeah, because if you got too comfortable, then you wouldn't have moved out. So that negative reinforcement pushed you to where you needed to be. Absolutely, because I was willing to go all in to get out. Ooh, I'm gonna put that on something. Go, I'm gonna go all in and get okay, out. Okay, okay, that's a new hashtag. Yeah, yeah. All t-shirt, in to get t-shirt, out. T-shirt, copyright. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. merch, merch. Yeah. yeah, merch. So, so, and so, then you went to UCLA to this great screenwriting program. You got accepted there. The yes. person who really kind of gave you that negative reinforcement to make that move ended up being one of your recommendation letters. So when you yes, got into yes. that program, Felicia. What did you learn about yourself or about your writing skills? Because you already come from U of I, you'd already been in PR, so you're a good writer. But what yeah. did you learn about the process of writing or screenwriting and writing for Netflix and TV? I realized and learned that writing is a muscle, literally, mm-hmm. and that the more you do it, the better you got. Um, I learned that I didn't know how to write screenplays and scripts like I thought I did upon entering the <laughs> okay. program. My strategy was... I need to go all in and I need to quit my job. So that was a full-time program where I can apply for loans to live off of, you know what I mean? Yes. So that I can actually go all in. Yes. And so, but I thought, oh, I'll go to UCLA for the credibility. So that I'm, cause I wasn't 25. Right. So I didn't want to like come out to LA and just be floating out here. So I, so I thought that was a good way to sort of give me a community of people as well as some validation since I hadn't been writing. Sure. If they, if people saw, okay, I graduated from this program. But what I ended up finding out is I didn't know what the hell I was doing <laughs> and, at a professional level. Okay, I found that out the first <laughs> first quarter. I was so intimidated because I saw what real writers wrote like, and mm-hmm. I thought I was such a genius writer. And my pages, I wanted to like rip them up and burn no them. Way. Like that's how. It, it's yeah, a well, it's just a muscle, writing, right? It's a different. It's style. a different style of writing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, and you have to learn how to do it, and then you have to do it yes. a bunch of times. They, yes. they say 10,000 hours. I think it was 10,000 hours. Create the master, you're a master of a thing or oh, something. Wow. Okay. I forgot. Or was it 1,000 hours? 10,000 sounds like a lot of damn hours. That's I don't, a whole it's, lot. it's something with three zeros at the end. <laughs> okay, we're done already. Uh-huh. You're crazy. Yeah. Y'all yeah, Google zeros. it. Google it. That's what Google's for. That's the new card catalog. I just dated myself again, so I'm not going to say that anymore. Oh, you say, oh, see, I love it. I love it. Felicia, we're going to edit that out. I'm going to edit that You say Dewey Duffy. Just go to the collection section, y'all. Just go to collection section. It's going to be by title, by author, or by subject. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. All All right. So basically, it's that practice that makes perfect, so to speak, with writing and that, um, so those, and then and then as I got, like, by the time I was in my second quarter of the first year, because it's a two-year program, two- to three-year program at the time, you know, by the time my writing got better, I started to see strengths were, like, dialogue. And I was first trying to be a drama writer, but everybody's like, really, your funny ass is about to be a drama writer? So then it was like, okay, maybe my... <laughs> but I was a very attracted to drama. Oh, wow. That's my taste. That's what I watch. 
um, not necessarily always in television, but just in, in features. And, you know, I just like the dark and dramatic as a viewer. But, of course, I like comedy. I do like to laugh and make people laugh. So I sort of went where my personality matched the most, right. which was comedy. And I started to write more comedies uh, where at first I was writing dramas. But the good part about those dramas is that I had dramas that I had written and that helped me by the time I got the job on 13 Reasons Why. But the first thing that I wrote and sold was an HBO pilot yes. um, that didn't get green look lit, but it was a comedy. Okay, so you wrote and sold that to HBO while you were still in grad school at UCLA. Yes, okay. yes, yes. And so yes, your writing skills got incredibly well, incredibly off the chain and off the charts if you sold it to HBO and they bought it. So whether or not it was like... Yeah, by year two. Yeah, that's yes, pretty awesome. for sure. And it still wasn't as good, though, as like three you know, years later or three years later or two and a half years later when I got staffed on my first show, which was 13 Reasons Why. So even when that, at the that time, my writing got better. And even from there to now, it's gotten better. So that's just how it kind of the journey automatically works. Yes. How did the Thirteen Reasons Why position come along? Because you had sold that to HBO. Are you out of grad yes. school by the time that started, or were you still in grad school while you started writing for Thirteen? I was still. Oh no, I was out. I was out okay. for a couple of years by then. Okay. And basically, they had read one of my the comedy sample from HBO. Oh. And so actually, a comedy sample because a lot of times drama rooms will hire comedy writers to bring levity to work. Uh-huh. I don't know if I did that because I like dark. So I don't know if I brought levity because I like to bring darkness because <laughs> that's what I like to watch. Interesting. So sometimes a comedy room to have a drama person for story and plot. Yeah. I was so very lucky because I was, um, I had read the pilot. I ended up getting on season two of 13 Reasons Why, two or three, but I had read the pilot. It hadn't aired yet by the time I was snapped on season two, but I knew it was going to be a hit show. I could tell by the pilot. And then um, they showed me the first season before it was released. And I was like, oh, this is about to be a hit. So I was real lucky that that was the first show and that it did reflect the other side of my taste. So I don't have to be in a box of comedy forever because I write more dramedies anyway than just straight one genre. So mm-hmm. that was helpful that I have two different vastly different types of shows that I'm writing for. And the fact that you were able to exercise that drama writing muscle, you know what I mean? In the yeah. of, in the midst yeah, of absolutely. having like this comedy strength. Like you you're multifaceted, yeah. so you were able to do that. So that's awesome. And the show was such a hit. So that's yeah. huge, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Very grateful. So, so let's talk about then after those two seasons where you were writing for Netflix's or um writing for Thirteen Reasons Why on Netflix, how that then led to bigger because that's yes. on BET Plus, which is a venture between yes. BET Networks and Tyler Perry Studios. Um, and the streaming is nine ninety nine per month. They got like a thousand hours worth of content on there. So talk to me about that and how Will Packer came into the picture. Yes. Yeah, so I was just had a meeting with Will Packer company, just uh, what's called a general meeting, which is basically a get-to-know-you meeting that executives at studios or networks or production companies have with writers they're interested, that they may have read, and they're interested in just meeting so that they can know that you exist, basically, if a project comes up that may be appropriate for your what, what you write. And so I had one of those on the books, and they pushed it up like a week because apparently there was a conversation between Will and BET um, and Scott Mills at BET about... Uh, a living single kind of black friend type of show that there might be room for that because there's nothing, there's not a lot. I mean, there, you know, you have Insecurity Atlanta, but in terms of like just an ensemble friend show that is like hard comedy, they thought that there was room for something like that. And because I was already on the books that meet and they knew I wrote friendship type 
comedies, um, they pushed it up and talked to me and wanted to see my take on it. And it happened very fast. They were looking for, like, a concept to be created. Oh, okay. okay. And they okay. knew I wrote that kind of thing. Like, I wrote okay. on 13 Seasons Why, which is not a comedy, but it's definitely right. a show about friendship. Okay. As well as other things. And then the pilots that they had read were, like, almost like a Sex in the City type, type comedy. Okay. So they knew I wrote in that vein. So it was like, oh, let's get this writer's take, you know, and other writers, you know, I'm sure they talked to, let's get some writer's take on this idea. But we we want her because she is the bomb and she did this and she did that and she came from UCLA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, And it's like, hey, let's see what she has. Yeah. And so then I sort of took a stab. And so at first it was supposed to be a regular BT channel. Right. It was way super broader. It was called Peachtree Place. It was more um, about the girls than it was guys. Um, then some things changed along the line. It was just like they bought the pilot. You know, I did a pilot, did a pilot commitment with me. And then down the line, it was official there was going to be a show. I started to look for a showrunner to co-run or rather to teach me how to be a showrunner and run the show. But then in the midst of that, they told us that they were going to launch BT Plus and that this show would be one of the original programs. It's the switch. So that was the opportunity to actually be create a show that was more in my voice because I had never written for a regular sort of like cable or network. Mm -hmm. And that's not really my um, typical, like I like edge. If I'm going to watch something on basic cable, it's going to be Atlanta on FX. There's going to be something where there's not a lot of like censored, the censorship isn't that deep, you know what I mean? And so I was relieved that, you know, streaming, like we can go balls out, no pun intended. (laughs) And... So basically, throughout oh, the Peachtree Place idea. That was awesome. <laughs> I think we do that as a hashtag. Like, yeah, like, balls out. Balls out. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so I threw out the other steps, completely developed that whole pilot, and then threw it out and used some of the same characters. Maybe one character pretty much changed. Some of the elements of the characters changed a little bit, but they're essentially the same five people, and redeveloped that into bigger, into a new premise. So the premise is different, but it's still five friends in Atlanta. That's the only thing that remained the same from the original concept. But you had like more, what can we say, like literary latitude because you were able to be more edgy, more sexy, and kind of like push the envelope for this platform that is just now being created too. So it kind of worked out like amazingly well, right? Like you got all this creative license on this new platform. You can just blow up. Absolutely. It's great. It's been great. It is great. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I love that. I love that. Yes. So now, because we were also talking about the process of, okay, so you have the show, you've got these episodes, they're streaming, folks can download them. But then there's also the process of getting the word out about the show. And I've seen a lot of the actors doing a lot of PR and interviews about it. And that whole process, talk about that because that's a whole nother step in in what's happening, but it's going remarkably well. Like a lot of people are talking about this great show. Yeah, I will say that if people watch it and end up loving it, it's going to be important to spread the word because it is on a new platform that has to get, is getting marketed. So the the platform is getting marketed and then when people get to the platform, then they have to know about and find us. So there are a lot of like, not, I don't want to say hurdles to jump over, but yeah. there are. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's important that if you're a fan of the show, and only if you're a fan of the show, I'm going to ask this if you're not, to just talk about it, to tell everybody you know, to go on social media or whatever your form of communication 
is with your network of people to just spread the word because we don't have that much content that people love. We don't have that much, that much content as black people, period. And I feel like this is, and it's not even, this is to me universal. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's a very black show, but it's also not very black <laughs> in the same way, meaning right. it's relatable on every level, no matter who you are. So we just want people to talk about it so that, cause I think it's going to be word of mouth, you know? Agreed. And word of mouth travels mm-hmm. fast, especially when it's good. And you said that Felicia, like we're all humans and you wanted to create a human yes. story and that in the yes. human story, these folks just happen to be black, but the things that they're going through, whether it's love or loss or hurt or pain or grief, those are universal, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you did something that kind of hits all the edges, whatever market you might be coming from. So I encourage you to watch bigger. For those who have not seen it, I encourage you to see it and see it often. <laughs> like in Chicago, we vote and vote. Yes. Because <laughs> yes. people do. have been rewatching episodes. And yes. It is that kind of watch where you, you kind of almost want to rewatch it. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt you have to do it. So how does having the name recognition, though, of like Will Packer and Tyler Perry Studios, how does that help? And how is it kind of connecting with those folks within this venture? Oh, it's great. They're both amazing and have their own community of um, fans. So I'm lucky to work with um, with Will in particular, who's the producer of this show, to sort of leverage the brand he already has to lend itself to this. He's known for comedy, big, broad, crazy comedy. Yeah. And this is a big comedy <laughs> crazy comedy <laughs> so that's great and it's great to learn a lot from him and, and what i've learned mostly i haven't met tyler Perry yet but of course having his name guess what is amazing <laughs> anywhere near your name <laughs> like with uh, <laughs> anywhere you know what I'm saying? in the neighborhood of my name is great right, in the neighborhood and <laughs> But with Will, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I'm happy to observe is, like, to be that powerful, um, but to be a good person. You know what I'm saying? Like, in that, you know, I've been told all these things about Hollywood before I got here. And to me, the biggest thing I've been proving is that, hey, you can roll with. Not that I'm not, you know, very early in the game. Next year, I might be like, I'm working with somebody crazy. And I'm sure (laughs) that will happen. But... It's just that I've really been lucky enough, you know, like Divine Shepherd, who's the showrunner. Yes, I saw the video with you and him talking about the show. That was a good clip. Absolutely. These are good people who just want to make great uh, television and great work in general. And so, you know, so my fears about, like, evil Hollywood, Mm. you can find people, everyone's not evil, you know, and so I've been lucky in that way because I didn't know how I would handle, you know, what all those stories I hear about Hollywood I didn't know how to handle it are you handling things now okay because you are like in the Hollywood spotlight of sorts you're kind of like ascending in this like area where all these people are around you gravitating towards you and your concept and your work are you finding it like okay or are you still able to be grounded I guess is a better question and do you feel comfortable do you feel comfortable in this space do you feel comfortable yes absolutely and I think particularly because I haven't extend it to some level, you know, where it's like, oh my God, I have no time for myself. You know, I'm not even, We're like, I need a you know, I wish I'm not an area. I need a handler. I need the paparazzi. They yeah, can't exactly. Me. I can't deal with exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> it is cool to be a person that people are like, I'm a fan of your work and yes. people, if anyone says that, like people have said that to me and I'm already a fan of their work, that's starting to get cool. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, no, it's cool. I'm ready for whatever journey. 
journey provides, really. So, <laughs> so speaking of that and folks knowing about your work, who is it that you're most looking forward to perhaps working with at some point in the future? Do you have any favorite writers or producers that you'd like to play? I do. Um, ooh, there's so many. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, God, I don't even know where to start. There, yeah, that you know, there's Donald Glover, obviously, is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Shonda Rhimes is obviously amazing. Yeah. You know, from a director's standpoint, I'm a big fan of Barry Jenkins, um, who, you know, wrote, directed uh, Moonlight, mm-hmm. got the Oscar oh, for yes. it. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think, who else? But, I mean, from uh, you know, like, I have to start with my brothers and sisters, but I, I'm a fan of a lot of people beyond yeah. that. Sure. Meaning Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Um, Fleabag was a big influence on this show. Okay. And she also not only starred and created Fleabag, but she also created, what's it called? With, um, I'm, oh, God, I'm blanking. Yeah. I am. Killing okay. Eve. Sorry. Oh, okay, yeah, Killing okay. Eve. And so that, to me, is amazing because she's a writer-performer who, from everyone I've talked to, is an amazing person, you know, wow. and just cool. Yeah. <laughs> a cool, yeah. again, grounded person. Yeah. She just swept a bunch of Emmys, you know, a few weeks ago. Amazing. From amazing. Between Blue Bag and Killing Eve. Um, and then she went off and created this whole other hit after, yeah. after Blue Bag. So that she's my shero in that I think representing some things I want to do and the tone of which I want to tell stories as well. So those are some of the initial, um, one, uh, another producer, Judd Apatow, I've always kind of made a joke like, hey, I like to be like black female Judd Apatow, which like, what does that even look like? I have no idea. <laughs> but, but, you know, some of his movies and, you know, the sort of the inappropriateness of some of his humor and the kind of, the balls outness of his the humor. Balls um, <laughs> and from the, you know, I know, yes. we made it a thing. We, yeah, we made it a thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for, from like the early 2000s beyond or, you know, when, yeah. you know, after that was 40 or Virgin premiere. But my thing is like that, I felt like I found my, like, I'm like, that's my shit right there. That's right. what I do. Like, that's what I want to do. Love it. But with, for, you know, with diverse characters. Yes. Yeah, those are some folks. So so let me ask you this, because you're such a like a creative person and you have to have the kind of mindset to create the characters and the layers and the storylines and make them kind of mesh together. What's your process for writing? Do you have a place in your house where you write and create? Do you write at night, at, in the morning? Like, what does that My only like? rule is not in my house, mostly, because I, it, I just can't. Um, you don't I get, at home? Not, not at all? I do, unless it's... Um, it, I have to. Sometimes I'm forced to okay. just because I can't. Okay. But if it's at night, I can. Like when the world is asleep, that's the best uh, time. Like when I'm at home. Yes, During is. the day, it's coffee shops. Like I'm a big coffee shop person. Like I like, you know, eclectic. Not like coffee shop chains, but like cool little, you know, yeah. privately owned yeah. mom and coffee shops or yeah. really cool hip looking absolutely coffee shops. Yeah, I'm a coffee shop. Okay. Core. That's why it's coming. I would just bounce coffee shop to coffee. And, and sometimes coffee in one day. So, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying. You that's what crazy. I do. They're well, like, there she is again coming in here, you know. <laughs> here she go. Here she go. <laughs> yeah. Do you use an outline, yeah, so Alicia, or do you kind of like yes, go with absolutely. the flow? You always use an outline. Okay. Oh, no. There's no such thing. I don't believe anyone should ever do that. That's crazy. God. Maybe people have a process, but I don't think that is a process. There's yeah. no process that you just write a yeah. script without an outline. Like, that's yeah. crazy. 
Yeah, because it's very much like a blueprint, and you have to know where you're going because it's, it's too much, it's too big of a world, too many choices for you not to know right. exactly where you're going. Because how will yeah. you know if you're off? Like, any role will take you there, right? so to speak. And then be open to the magic that is involved. Like, sometimes oh, you change magic. things, but it needs to be a blueprint. You can't build a house without starting. And once you start building a house, you can add things yeah. and remove things, but you need the framework, you know? First and foremost, you had to build it. That makes good sense. So what's the best advice yeah. you've ever received, Felicia, in this process? I think from Professor Howard Seaver, who was a professor emeritus at um, UCLA, he started the uh, producer's program at UCLA many years ago. Uh, he's in his 80s, so it's just amazing to have even, have, you know, he's still teaching there, um, to, to even have taken his class with all the history because he's worked there like 50 years or something. Oh, wow. But he said, he had a whole class about this almost, and it was called Strategy, which I didn't even know what the class was, but everybody who's a fan of his just took anything he offered, mm-hmm. and a lot of people loved their strategy class. And I'm, I'm like, what is film strategy? I don't know what the hell that is. But it was basically telling you, don't jump off a damn bridge with a career. Basically, don't fall into despair. Okay. That is the best advice. I mean, it's so hard, because I said that this was easier than PR. I meant on my spirit. Right. More so than like the work. Okay. It's probably harder than PR to achieve anything in this business, but it's my spirit was not settled because it's not what I wanted to do, so it was yeah. harder. But um, it's hard now. Yeah. Like, it's hard. It's you know, I sold a pilot and it took me another two years or so to find a job. Yeah. But what I remember during those two two and a half years or whatever that was mm-hmm. was that Howard Super said, "Don't fall into despair because." You people who pursue this and who get any do any kind of do well in any kind of way, whether you sell one pile or whatever, when you start to do well, like you're used to getting people who go after this are used to getting you know who I went to a good film school or whatever. They're kind of like overachievers. You used to overachieving and getting pat on the head like good little students, and so this is the first time those good little students are being told no left and right, yeah. which can be jarring and shocking. Yeah. And so if I hadn't had that advice, I probably would have internalized any no's. Okay. Because I was a, an achieve, such an overachiever that I didn't want to ever hear no. Absolutely not. Yeah, right, right. It was in my personality, but he knew that all of our uh, us writers is in our personality to win. And so when we don't win, it could send us into a depression or despair or we can give up or worse, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. or self-destruct. And so that was his advice. And, and then even now, like this can go up and down. Like I have a show now, I'm not trying to put this on the universe, so I'm not going to say the rest. Sure. But I'm just saying like, sure. there's no guarantee that it's all straight to the moon once you have one thing. Yeah. So you have to learn how to ride the in-between, to ride the wave, Ooh, and to not fall in into despair. Okay. And to put value in things other than it. Yes, that was his whole piece. Your personal Absolutely. life, your yes. family, your friends, your relationships, yeah. Yeah, marriage, yeah. whatever your because those those personal relations are always going to trump that anyway. Right. So don't make it all about that. So then it won't be you can't fall into despair if you have a full life. You know, yes, 100%. that was it. That's great advice. Be resilient. Don't put your heart into the accolades of man. I read that somewhere. Now, hello, that's yeah, girl, so, please, yeah. yes, that's right. <laughs> so that is true. More merch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are I guess that's somebody else's though, so it's kind of copyright infringement. But <laughs> that's a good one. We gonna come out with a few different ones. I think that's like number three. Yeah. I've almost lost track. So let me right. ask you this. Oh yeah, <laughs> this last question because yeah. I know that I think I've had you on here for a minute, and I want to make sure that mm-hmm. you can do all the things that you do in LA. Are you in LA or in Hollywood? Which city are you in, by the way? 
I'm in um, L.A., but I'm in Hollywood neighborhood. I do. I'm on the nose and all literal living in. I'm all cliche living in actual Hollywood. Yes. Okay. Look at you. Okay, I <laughs> yeah. Love uh, I love it. So what would people be surprised to know about you? How about that? Surprised? Huh? Mm-hmm. Maybe that I was afraid the show would be judged in this climate. Like, I'm like, oh. I'm going far. I'm talking about sex. And I'm, I don't know if it, black people are going to be mad. Like, why we got to be having sex? You know, I don't know. I don't know what people are going to say. Like, you know what I'm saying? Why we got to be doing yeah. a, Why somebody got to be cheating? Uh-huh. You know, I didn't know what. So what this has taught me is that, because, um, you know, what people might be surprised is how, like, anxious I am. Because <laughs> I guess I come off chill, yeah. but I'm actually quite anxious. <laughs> And so, wait, wait, hold up, back up. You said I'm actually yes. quite anxious, <laughs> quite all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. So, like my thoughts are racing, and so what this taught me is just be true to your truth and what yeah. makes you laugh and what moves you, and be fearless and every you know, and putting it out there because you will silence yourself if you worry about Ooh. if you edit so much before you yes. put it out there. You know what I mean, Felicia? Those yeah. are words of wisdom. You will silence yourself if you never put it yeah. out there. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. And, and I think I've, I've talked with several writers over years, and they will say that like they didn't write this because they didn't want someone to think it was about them, or they didn't write that because yeah, you, you can't know, do like, that. People to like judge me or th- you know what I mean. And so that right. can stifle, stifle the spirit and the message you post to get to other people. One of my instructors at UCLA, Hal Ackerman, used to make people do a cringe list. And I actually stole that from him. Hey, Hal, if you're listening, and did it when I was teaching screenwriting myself for a second. Oh, nice. Okay. Because I feel like it's a way to break out of that fear, um, where you write the 10 most cringeworthy things that happen in your life. Oh. You have to read them out loud to the class. Uh-uh, and so once you stop. get, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Once you put yourself in the script a couple of times, you know, balls out again. <laughs> then you're, you're not worried about it. And it's not so much about you. It reflects your exactly. taste. But yeah, every, this is not biographical. I wish it was. This would yes. be a, I oh. wish I did have Lane's Dilemma right now and Lane from a doctor and the other oh option. Okay. Gosh. But that, right. that's not my life. Oh, <laughs> no, I don't want to get too much moment. away from the show. I yes. know for those who yes. haven't seen it. but You're right. You're right. Let me shut up. I was about to say, though, just expound it a little bit. Like if you have a choice between being married to this safe, rich person or having this wild, incredible like love affair, which do you choose? You can find out in bigger. I'm just saying, y'all. Yes. That's all I'm saying. Yes. That? Is that enough? Without giving exactly. away Exactly. That's enough. That's safe. <laughs> I love that, that list safe. of cringeworthy things and then coming forth and bringing life to so many more truths. I think that's amazing, Felicia. Really great, thank you. Balls out. Mm-hmm. That's that's the new hat. <laughs> so, okay, uh, one more question, and I f- promise I'll yeah. let you go. What advice? Because everyone has a script or a book or a blog or something, especially like young girls who are looking up to you and looking up to writers like you and creators. How should they start to hone their gift, or how can they tap into it more so they're not afraid of opportunity? I would say just learn the craft, classes, anything you can afford. Do as much as you can afford. If you if books, reading. And learning that way is all you can afford to do that. If you can afford to take a class, do that. If you can afford or can figure out or you're okay with some student loans to invest in yourself, go to film school. Mm-hmm. But learn the craft and then keep writing. Yes. And then eventually enter that into contests like Google and contests. See how you play once you're ready. Yeah. Because there's a lot of industry people who sometimes who participate in contests. 
So you don't want to send work out that's not ready because it may land some eyes and you don't want to read your not ready work. Yeah. But once you feel like it's ready, you send it to people who know what they're talking about and they say they like it, then enter it into some things. Because if it places, you can get it. If it places, you know, runner up or anything, like, or any kind of prize, you could get some attention from it. So you just never know. So just write, learn it, keep writing, and then start to. One way to put it out there is through contact. Yeah, that's a great one. And how can people follow bigger? Follow you? Where do they go? And how do they do it? We have to work with the network on some of the social media pages. Okay. But you can certainly follow me at Felicia F E L I S C H A M Mary mm-hmm. at uh, at Felicia M at and that's Instagram and it's at Felicia same spelling with Alpha M for Twitter. Awesome. Awesome. Felicia, thank you so much. This has been so much yeah. fun. I didn't know we was going to come up with three hashtags. I mean, I only oh, have yeah. 1% yeah, yeah. of all revenue going forward from the hashtags. That's all I ask. Okay. okay. And, got and it. VIP got it. seating at all of the screenings. And definitely just red carpet <laughs> access to Idris if he's in any, any of your episodes. Okay. Once I get red carpet access <laughs> to Idris, then you get it. And sorry, new. Sorry, his new look, new Miss Elba, but you know, oh you know, we check it for him. You know, we check it. <laughs> she gotta know. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly yeah. truthfully love what you're doing. I um, love the vision. And Thank I'm so you glad so much. that it's resonating because it's a great storyline and great people. And like you said, human stories. So I encourage you to listen, download, and really be a part of this bigger movement because that is what it is. So Felicia Mary, yeah. the pivotal Thank moment. You. Thank you so much, Felicia. And we will be following Thank you. you. We can find you, okay? Thank you so much. All right, my friend. Talk okay. to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, we love us some Felicia Mary and we love bigger. Say it with me now. We love bigger. Okay, I cannot say it enough. If you haven't seen the show, go and check it out today on BET+. Plus. You can watch all of the current episodes and get caught up on the hottest series out there today. You will love it. Trust me. Trust me. And tell all of your friends about Bigger. Felicia Mary, as she said, went all in to get out. And she did. And she is making it happen today. We will be watching and following her rise in Hollywood. If you didn't, check out last week's episode with another superstar sister, Marlon Ezrika. She's an award-winning journalist, author, and Chicago Sun-Times columnist, and one of the 25 most powerful women in journalism. Do not miss that show. Please continue to follow, download, and share Pivotal Moment. Listen to us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play Music, iTunes, and Podbean. I'm your host, Nikita Faustin. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time.